Welcome to Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. I'm Dave James. In a moment, I'll talk with a doctor about this being National Heart Health Month. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, Tracy Townsend covers a number of topics, including Intel's recent big announcement that they're investing $20 billion into a computer chip making operation in New Albany, the ongoing fight over redrawing legislative districts in Ohio, and information about Hilliard police getting body cameras. And in about 35 minutes, I'll talk with someone who has retirement advice and tips for seniors. First up on Columbus Perspective on the phone with me, Dr. David Goff, he's the Director of Cardiovascular Sciences at the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, part of the National Institutes of Health, and we're talking about February being American Heart Month. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Hope you are, too. Doing well. Thanks for talking to us. You know, there have been amazing advances in heart health and science, and yet it remains the number one killer. Uh, That's right. Unfortunately, heart disease is the leading cause of death in our country, uh, as well as the whole planet, and in almost every state, including Ohio. Associated with that is high blood pressure, hypertension. How prevalent of a problem is that in Ohio and, and around the country? Oh, well, high blood pressure is very common. You know, upwards of a third of adults uh, in our country have high blood pressure. And while we had several decades, really, of improving the con- treatment and control of high blood pressure, we've seen recent uh, stagnation uh, in that uh, we haven't seen any improvements over the last several years in, in, in blood pressure control. In fact, we've gone a little backwards. We've seen blood pressures go up uh, during the pandemic, and we've seen control of blood pressure uh, get worse uh, during the pandemic. So it's a major concern uh, for all of us, really, across the country, and including in Ohio. I know it becomes more likely as you get older towards senior citizen age, but what is it that people are doing that's causing their blood pressure to be high? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, blood pressure does tend to go up with age in the United States and in many other countries. And what we've learned over the years is that there are several things that seem to be causing that the blood pressure to go up. Um, One is a high salt diet. That's probably the most important one. Uh, weight gain and, and being overweight or obese um, the, and not getting enough physical activity uh, and then also drinking more alcohol than is um, really healthy. Uh, those things tend to make blood pressure go up with age. And if you're able to uh, maintain a healthier diet with less salt, less fatty, animal, uh, less fatty meat, meats and more Uh, vegetables and fruits and whole grains, if you're able to stay leaner and be more active and minimize alcohol intake, you can keep your blood pressure in good shape as you get older and not need medication. Um, But that's, uh, a lot of us don't do that, and so we end up needing blood pressure medication as we get a little older. For somebody who may be overweight or obese with high blood pressure, I guess getting into a a daily routine of exercise and weight loss, just those two things in themselves can automatically make a significant reduction in blood pressure, right? Yeah, I think it's really important to include diet in that as well, that changing the diet to lower sodium, more vegetables and fruits, more whole grains, um, less 
uh, fatty meats, less, uh, less salt. That's really important in addition to getting more activity uh, and trying to lose weight. It's, it's actually somewhat hard to lose weight by increasing your physical activity alone because we tend to overeat uh, the activity and, and keep the weight high. So it's important to focus on both the, the diet and the activity to get the weight down and also to get the blood pressure down. It seems like we're hearing more and more warnings about alcohol. You know, that for a long time, people seem to be pretty unanimous in, in believing that wine, especially red wine, in moderation was good for you. But now they're linking it to atrial fibrillation and, and other problems. Yeah, it, it looks like alcohol is a, um, you know, a complicated story. At very low levels of consumption, uh, there may be some benefits for some forms of heart disease. Uh, but, you know, at higher levels of consumption, we start to see some of the social problems and some of the other health problems uh, that are associated with alcohol. So for most people... If they currently don't drink alcohol, the, the best advice would be don't start. And if they do currently drink alcohol, for most people, probably the best advice is cut back because, you know, the, the potential benefits of a little bit of alcohol are, are relatively small and the, um, the potential harms from a health perspective and a social perspective of consuming too much alcohol are um, certainly uh, considerable. Talking with Dr. David Goff, Director of Cardiovascular Sciences at the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute. Doctor, let's take a 40-year-old man or woman in, you know, maybe reasonable shape, maybe a little overweight but not obese, who's maybe not as active as they could be. Are there any signs at all just in their day-to-day life, the way they feel, um, whether after exercising or just in general or when they get up in the morning, that could be a very early precursor to some sort of a heart problem? Well, one thing we've learned is that um, it's very, very likely that that 40-year-old man or woman uh, already has uh, the process of what we call atherosclerosis going on in their arteries. Uh, We used to call it hardening of the arteries. It's a a buildup of cholesterol and inflammatory cells that the cholesterol attracts that begins to damage the arteries. And this process actually starts in childhood and um, adolescence. And by the time uh, we're 40 to 50 years old, uh, most of us have that in, uh, somewhere in our blood vessels, whether they be the blood vessels to our heart or to our brains or other places. So even if we don't feel any signs like shortness of breath when we're exercising or shortness of breath, climbing a flight of stairs. Um, We have, most of us have that in our bodies already. And so it's really important that even if we're not feeling any signs of of heart disease, that we take care of ourselves, that we try to get on a better path, eating better, being more active, losing a little bit of weight if we need to, and um, getting our numbers under control with our doctor's help. A lot of people turn to uh, supplements. Uh, I mean, you can get supplements that claim to do just about anything these days for your heart. Are any of them any good? Well, I think one of the challenges with the supplements is that we don't really have good evidence to know whether any of them are any good. So uh, for the most part, we just don't know. Um, What we do know is 
that the medications that have been studied and approved for lowering blood pressure, for lowering cholesterol, and for treating uh, diabetes, that those are really, really important. And so taking supplements is no substitute for you know, knowing your numbers and, if need be, controlling them with the medications that your doctor recommends. Talking with Dr. David Goff, Director of Cardiovascular Sciences at the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute. Just a moment or two to go. Are there any uh, exciting news on the medical front when it comes to heart health and, you know, surgeries or, or anything like that? Well, actually, there's something a, a bit simpler that I think is really exciting because all of us could benefit from this, and that is that taking care of yourself, being good to yourself and kind to yourself, turns out that's really important. We've learned from recent studies that people who practice what we call self-compassion, uh, that their, uh, their blood vessels are healthier. They're less likely to have that buildup of disease in their blood vessels that causes heart attacks and strokes. So people who manage stress in a positive way, and for many people that's meditation or it can be prayer or it can be physical activity, working it out at the gym, people who manage their stress in a positive way and are kind to themselves, they, they're healthier in their hearts. They're also healthier throughout their bodies. And that's something all of us can do that really doesn't take the kind of gee whiz technology of the latest surgery that may help a few of us. Uh, this could help all of us. And Dr. Goff, do you have a website or uh, anywhere that people can turn for more information? Well, they can come to the NHLBI website or, or the Heart Truth website, all one word, Heart Truth, uh, and get great information. Great. Uh, Dr. David Goff, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Hello, I'm Todd Markowitz, Vice President and General Manager of Radio Ohio, which owns 97.1 The Fan. We're an equal opportunity employer dedicated to providing broad outreach efforts regarding job vacancies within our company. We seek the help of local organizations in referring qualified applicants. Organizations that wish to receive our vacancy information should send their request to the attention of Human Resources, Radio Ohio, 770 Twin Rivers Drive, Columbus, 43215. If you'd like to view our current job openings, please visit our website at 971thefan.com and Thanks for listening. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, here's Tracy Townsend from her Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. The investment in Ohio that has the entire country talking, and we take a look at what else needs to be built now that Intel is coming to New Albany. Plus, our votes are sacred. And so, you know, we stand with voters. It's our honor to stand with every Ohio citizen in trying to get a process that works for us. The fight over district lines continues. Hear from the group that said the new maps are not okay. And Ohio Democrats are demanding answers about the House Bill 6 scandal, how the governor's office is responding. Thank you for joining us for Face the State. I'm Tracy Townsend. We're taking a look at how Intel is investing in Ohio. By now, you've heard the company is spending $20 billion to build the world's largest chip manufacturing plant near New Albany. Over the next few years, it'll bring 3,000 jobs and 7,000 construction jobs. 
This comes as U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown is pushing for the House to pass the Competes Act of 2022. It stands for America Creating Opportunities for Manufacturing, Preeminence in Technology and Economic Strength. It focuses on investing in manufacturing and it also addresses global semiconductor shortages, which is something the new computer chip factory in Ohio could help with as well. Well, they know how important it is uh, to me and to a number of us that these jobs be good-paid jobs, that they be union jobs, uh, and that they be open to women and minorities. And we've seen, we're going to see 5,000 construction jobs for the next 10 years. We're working with the building trades to attract a more diverse group of workers. And these are jobs that, you know, they pay a very good middle-class wage for years. And that's, um, that's, uh, that's what we're doing. It's so vitally important that we make these chips right here in the United States of America. Let's go back a little bit, but look what's happened. In 1990, the United States was a world leader in chip production. It had nearly 40% of the world's production capacity. But today, that number has fallen to 12%, while countries in Asia have 75% of the world's chip capacity. Simply put, simply put, we must. We must make more products right here in the United States. And there is no better place to manufacture any of them than right here in Ohio, made by Ohioans. This project will take time to get up and running, something the New Albany spokesperson wants you to remember. I think it's important for everybody to realize that this is not going to happen tomorrow, that this is still um, this is still careful growth uh, in New Albany and it will be done the right way. The right way. But there is some fallout to the changes that will come with Intel. Every home on Miller Road, for example, has been bought out, meaning neighborhoods will vanish in the name of jobs. I've been here since I was a kid, basically every weekend when I wasn't living out here and then now that I live here, yeah, it is, it's a sad moment, but life moves on. But as these families move on, move away, thousands more will be moving in. Is New Albany ready for that influx of people? 10TV's Olivia Eugenio spoke with two experts about what this means for Central Ohio. When you're looking at a $20 billion project, there's a lot that goes into it that you might not think about roads, water and sewer, whether it's housing, transit, roads, even greenways, that's that's what the next conversation is. Let's start with roadways. But when you think about the, the people and the jobs and how they're going to get to and from the facility, that's really where a lot of focus will be. It's making sure those local roads are ready to handle it. ODOT has already commented on its plans. We will be adding lanes to State Route 161 and we'll be improving interchanges adjacent to the site. Yas Motoyama, a city planning professor at Ohio State University, expects the biggest issue will be where is everyone going to live? Something that's going to be the pressing issue for the region is the housing. And it's not just any housing, but relatively good housing or um, highly skilled labor. One thing's for certain, this project will affect many different ways of life across central Ohio. Olivia Eugenio, 10TV News. Intel has committed to 100% renewable energy supply by 2030. That includes solar power. 10TV's Kevin Landers explains the role other parts of the state will play in meeting Intel's energy needs. 
With plenty of available land, Licking County is attracting more chip-based businesses. This land behind me is slated to be a mega solar farm. Located off Watkins Road, this former cornfield could soon be home to 250,000 solar panels. Panels that could help power the massive Intel microchip plant about a 20-minute drive to the north. Um, The electricity being developed there could very well go to Intel, um, or Intel could contract with um, other developers and other sites here in the state. Not only would green energy flow from this farm field, so would taxes that could be directly invested into the community. It's like 30 times more tax payments. So that's going to directly fund the schools and all the other local taxing jurisdictions. Ohio is becoming a major player in the solar power field. Perrysburg's first solar is the largest vertically integrated solar manufacturing plant outside China. And while some may question whether Ohio has enough sun to power Intel's plant, those in the industry say Intel wouldn't have come here if it didn't think Ohio could generate it. And Ohio might not be as good as southern Arizona or western Texas or something like that, but the consistency with which we do get sunlight hitting the ground here is plenty to warrant uh, you know, projects of this size. Across the state, only two are operational now. Ohio companies are positioning to take advantage of Intel's energy needs by providing a solar grid of power. The grid is like a big bathtub with multiple faucets currently turning on and multiple drains. The energy users are the drains and the generators are the faucet. What Intel will be looking to do is to contract with a solar facility that's not built yet, and they'll effectively be turning on a faucet of new solar supply. In Licking County, Kevin Landers, 10TV News. Intel is going to need a lot more employees to make that plant run. As Hugh Newark says, it's ready to help. Starting in the autumn of 2023, The OSU Newark campus will offer a bachelor's degree in science and engineering and technology. The school says a graduate who completes the course could command a salary of more than $60,000 a year. It's intended to be more hands-on. It's intended to be more uh, controlled focus and automation focus and really give students a combination of skills to work in manufacturing. Intel says it's going to need 3,000 employees in the next 10 years. This week marked another big business move with the launch of the Jobs Ohio Aficionado Black Founders and Black Venture Capitalist Program. Lawmakers, community, and business leaders were at this launch. The goal is to create, build, and promote a platform with a focus on making Ohio the destination state for founders of color and venture capitalists. Terry Gore from Jobs Ohio says the focus starts with doing better on backing black venture capitalists. Less than 1%. To put it in perspective, uh, in 2021, Ohio had nearly $3 billion uh, in venture-backed funding. So if we just use that national number of less than 1%, um, that's a problem. Uh, secondly, uh, venture, you know, one of the other things, uh, roughly about 2% of VC firms have a person of color uh, that's a partner. So what that creates is a scenario where um, people who look like that black founder 
um, are being evaluated, their companies are being evaluated by people who can't necessarily relate. Uh, so oftentimes they're turned down for funding, and in other cases, maybe you know, maybe even um, the value overall valuation is much lower. Taking the approach of having a collaborative, holistic um, platform, um, specifically focusing on what I've deemed the four C's: uh, culture, college, corporate, and capital. Uh, for doesn't matter what venture capitalist it is, uh, they're looking for ROI, return on investment. Um, you know, Ohio has over 200 colleges and universities. They've got 35 to have entrepreneurship programs. So what we want to do is we want to create an environment where there are those future black founders or future uh, black VCs, we want them to stay in the state. We don't want them to leave. Uh, but they have to be able to see more of people in that space who look like themselves, have an opportunity to go mentor with those types of organizations. So as they start their professional journey, they see, hey, Ohio is a place I want to stay. I don't need to I don't need to leave and go to the West Coast or to New York. Serving as MC of that program really allowed me to understand this collaboration of bringing together business, academia, and dollars with an eye on economic development in our state. You'll remember that Jobs Ohio started in 2011, aimed at boosting growth by investing in our communities and helping the state's businesses expand while attracting new companies with the bottom line of job creation, greater payrolls, and more investment. All right, that fight over redistricting, it's far from over in Ohio. The League of Women Voters filed a legal objection against the new maps passed by the redistricting commission. They passed the new maps along party lines. Since they failed to come to a bipartisan agreement, the maps would only hold for four years. This process started after the Ohio Supreme Court ruled the old maps were gerrymandered toward Republicans. The League of Women Voters says gerrymandering hurts all voters. There's a partisan bias baked into these maps. At the end of the day, that hurts every voter. So even though these maps really favor Republican candidates, I would argue they hurt Republican voters because when a party knows that they are mathematically going to win elections, um, the most important election becomes the primary. And those uh, candidates then play to party extremes and they're big donors and don't have to listen to the needs of voters in communities. You know, the League of Women Voters has been fighting partisan gerrymandering in Ohio since the 70s when Democrats did it. And now Republicans are doing it again. It harms voters no matter their party affiliation. We're not going to stop until we finally end partisan gerrymandering, really rigging maps for political outcomes rather than trying to fairly represent voters and communities. We talk with a political science professor from The Ohio State University. He says the setback will not only impact voters, but candidates as well. There are a lot of candidates who really don't know what race they're going to be running in. Uh, in some cases, they may have to run against somebody from their own party. Uh, and they may want to think hard about whether they're eager to return to the legislature under those kinds of circumstances. In other cases, it could well be the you know, could well be that Republicans will be running on districts or in districts that are basically uh, mapped so that a Democrat would be favored based on past voting history. Uh, and they may decide again that their chances of, of being elected or reelected are not as good as they thought they were going to be. And as a result of that would bow out of the contest. 
And Professor Beck says he's hopeful both parties will come to an agreement before having to change the May primary date. We will certainly watch this and keep you posted on their progress. The Ohio Democratic Party chair is demanding answers from Governor Mike DeWine about the House Bill 6 scandal. You'll remember that's the $60 million bribery scheme that bailed out two failing power plants in our state and involved former House Speaker Larry Householder. Ohio Democratic Party chair Liz Walters filed a public records request about House Bill 6, a number of them, in fact. They want to get a hold of communications among the governor and the lieutenant governor and special interest groups they say are tied to House Bill 6. The party threatened to file a lawsuit if they don't get a response soon. We will not stand idly by and wait for Mike DeWine to stall. If these public records requests are not fulfilled in a timely manner, the Ohio Democratic Party is prepared to file a lawsuit demanding their release. Governor DeWine's press secretary says the administration has responded or acknowledged these HB6 requests and has provided more than 600 pages of documents in response to the Democrats' records requests related to HB6 issues. He added they plan to respond to these new requests in line with the Ohio Public Records Act. Soon, Hilliard schools will stop COVID-19 contact tracing. The changes the district is making now and why some people are pushing for more. Columbus Perspective is a public affairs presentation of WBNS Radio. The opinions expressed on this program are those of its guests and do not necessarily reflect those of WBNS Radio, its staff, management, or sponsors. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV. Welcome back. Hilliard City Schools stopping contact tracing for COVID-19. The district is also cutting back on how often it updates case numbers. This is in response to new guidance from the state. Kevin Lander is now explaining the reason for the change. Angela Scheibel is a grandparent of six children. Four of them attend Hilliard City Schools, a district that sent this letter to parents telling them, quote, our nursing team will no longer be sending classroom or building COVID-19 notification letters. I think that the parents should be notified. Why is that so important? Because there's a lot of people getting it. The district got the green light to stop contact tracing from the Ohio Department of Health Director, Dr. Bruce Vanderhoff. He said universal contact tracing became impractical. There was virtually no school that was able to universally contact trace um, students all across their district. I asked him if discontinuing the practice of contact tracing forces parents to guess which kids may be positive in their classroom. We're not asking parents to guess um, where the uh, exposure um, might be coming from. What we're advising parents is the exposure is everywhere. That doesn't sit well with this grandparent. I think the parents should be notified for anything in school. Hilliard says it will continue to report COVID cases, but only on Fridays on the school's webpage. All other mitigation strategies like mask wearing and social distancing will remain in place. We have strongly advised our schools to mask up. We've strongly advised them to ask their students to wear a mask at school. The state says contact tracing going forward will only happen if there's an outbreak or cluster. Local health departments will be responsible for defining what that means, since 10 cases in a small school may be worse than 10 cases in a large school. You know, it was something that is literally just about everywhere. The most important steps that we can take are to focus on areas where we're seeing 
uh, an unusual degree of activity, a, a cluster of cases, or uh, a, a clear indications of a localized outbreak. In Hilliard, Kevin Landers, 10 TV News. The health department's recommendation on no longer requiring contact tracing went out to all kindergarten through 12th grade schools in the state. Columbus City Schools continues to struggle with the lack of school bus drivers. District leaders had to close one day last week because too many drivers called out the night before. The district reported a shortage of 150 school bus drivers. The union says it's 75 drivers short. The president of the union that represents Columbus School bus drivers explained how cold, COVID, and that lack of staff makes for a perfect storm for school closures. We expect up to about a 12% call off of about 100, and we kind of look at a 565 routes. So we expect up to a 12% call off because keep in mind, these drivers are also dealing with COVID in their own families, in their own self, and I'm a driver. My kid's school just shut down because of a COVID impact or uh, teacher shortage. So now I'm impacted that as a parent, what am I going to do? It's a cycle there. The Columbus City Schools told 10TV that they will continue to look at staffing daily and make the decision to transition to remote learning or maintain in-person classes. And we will watch that and report it to you. Franklin County is getting a big boost in funding for more body cameras. We'll take a look at how much our local law enforcement agencies are getting for this new tech. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. Three million Americans have glaucoma and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. How do you know if you or a loved one is at risk of problem gambling? By knowing the signs, such as borrowing money, hiding unpaid debts, bragging about wins, or just plain irritability. Sound familiar? Get Set Before You Bet is Ohio's initiative to help keep gambling safe and responsible for everyone. How does it work? Just visit BeforeYouBet.org to learn more and take the responsible gambling quiz. Together, we can keep gambling safe and responsible in Ohio. This message brought to you by Ohio for Responsible Gambling. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV. More law enforcement agencies across the state will soon be equipped with body cameras. The governor's office announced $4.7 million will go to more than 100 agencies. Franklin County Sheriff's Office is expected to get the most money, more than $232,000. Grove City and Hilliard are both set to get more than $58,000. 10TV's Lacey Crisp explains what this money means for Hilliard. I think we've seen uh, across the country and even here in central Ohio the value of having a body-worn camera. Uh, It not only tells the story of what officers are doing on a daily basis, but it gives the public an opportunity to see how we're doing it. In this day and age, there's an expectation that all law enforcement officers wear body-worn cameras 
But that simply isn't accurate. I just think it's all come to fruition at the right time. We are slow compared to other Central Ohio organizations, but we want to make sure that what we do is correct and we've learned from the mistakes of those that went down the path before us. Thanks to a grant from the state, it will be easier for departments like Hilliard to pay for new body-worn camera programs. Hilliard was already in the process of buying the cameras, but Chief Eric Grile says this grant will go a long ways. The grant was written for exactly the scenario that Hilliard police are in. They were looking for organizations that had no body camera program that were looking to start one where finances were a concern. Hilliard's new body-worn cameras will be synced up with their dash cameras, and all officers are expected to be equipped with the body-worn cameras by the middle of the summer. So those two will work seamlessly together and provide audio, and then they can be looked at on a split screen. So you'll, you will see both the body-worn camera footage and the cruiser video at the same time. Deputy Police Chief Mike Wood says the grant may be able to help them speed up their timeline and give residents accountability from the department. They can look uh, at what we do, how we do it. Um, it provides great transparency, and um, I think that helps to reassure the public that uh, what we're doing and what we're saying is the right way. In Hilliard, Lacey Crisp, 10TV News. Longtime Columbus activist and public servant Tracy Johnson is joining the race for U.S. Senate in Ohio. She announced the decision last week pledging to address gun violence. Johnson says she's also looking to tackle the issues of making Wi-Fi more affordable and accessible to all Ohioans. I'm running for the United States Senate because Ohio deserves a strong voice in Washington, a unifier that will attack problems and not people. I am focused on solving the most critical issues that impact our state, this great state of Ohio. Everyone has a right to affordable and quality health care. There is a vicious attack on women's health and reproductive rights. I will fight for quality health care, including safe and legal abortions. Two other candidates for that Senate seat squared off in a debate even before the primaries. Trump-aligned Josh Mandel is trying to secure the Republican nomination, while the progressive-leaning Morgan Harper is trying to get the Democratic nod. There are several other candidates, including Congressman Tim Ryan on the Democratic side and Ohio State Senator Matt Dolan, the Cleveland businessman. Mike Gibbons on the Republican side are all in this race. Now the race for governor. Democratic candidate Nan Whaley got the endorsement from former Columbus mayor Michael B. Coleman. He said he believes she has a bold vision for how the state can once again be a place of opportunity for current and future generations. Black History Month kicks off and the Ohio State House is celebrating with two special performances. The events are scheduled for February 15th and the 22nd, and they are both free. Each 45-minute performance starts at noon. The shows are going to explore black culture, family stories, and they will even have a Q&A session. The events will be live in the atrium of the Ohio State House, but you can also watch the performances live on the OhioChannel.org. Well, we certainly thank you all for joining us here on Face the State today. Have a great week. That's again Tracy Townsend, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, from their Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. We don't want you on our team. You're too slow and fat. This is weight bias. I'm worried about your weight. Don't you care what other people think? Millions who live and are affected by obesity face weight bias every day. 
You're not the right fit for this job. Unfair judgment by others. Just stop eating so much and exercise some. You lose all this weight. These people often blame themselves. It's just me. Nobody likes me. I do exercise and eat right. And I talk to my doctor. Weight bias hurts. Everyone deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. Your words and actions matter. Let's stop weight bias. Let's work together. Be part of the solution. Go to StopWeightBias.com and learn more. A public service message from Obesity Action Coalition. You've been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. You have to carefully monitor your health for the rest of your life. And you have an increased risk of developing cardiovascular disease. Cut. Take two. Action. You've been diagnosed with a new purpose. To fight for the amazing life you've made for yourself. To look that risk of heart disease square in the face and say, no, not me. You've been given a new opportunity to live. Get started at NoDiabetesByHeart.org. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Hi, this is Dave James, and joining me on the phone is Chris Orestes, who is a senior care advocate. He's known as the Retirement Genius. You can find out more at retirementgenius.com. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me on today. Thanks for talking to us. We're going to talk about seniors and, uh, and, and the plight that they are having to endure in these very difficult times. Uh, before I even ask you any questions, uh, anything that you want to say starting out of the gate? Well, you know, seniors are always among the most vulnerable population. And when we're in times like this, we've obviously been going through a lot. And, and, and what can make things worse for seniors is the situation we're, we're now encountering with inflation. Inflation's at its highest level since 1982. The, the numbers for 2021 came in and we're at a 7% inflation rate. Uh, that's the biggest we've seen it since 1982, and that's really going to impact seniors in particular because for many, they're on a fixed income. You know, they're living on their retirement savings, Social Security, Medicare, and, and they're very sensitive to the impact that increased prices and scarcity of items on top of that will have for them. You know, it's interesting because until inflation really took off the way it was, they seemed like they were fairly well protected during the pandemic, the retired seniors, because, you know, they got stimulus money. Their Social Security didn't change. They still had their fixed income that was guaranteed. So they weren't really hit with job losses and all the other things. But now the inflation factor is hitting them. Yeah, yeah. And it really kicked into gear in 21. You know, and that's really how economic cycles work. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, things whether they're good or bad, take some time to kick in and work their way through the system. So, you know, what started out in 2020 with the health crisis, then impacting people with their jobs, with the economy, really then kind of washed on shore by 2021. And here we are now with a very high inflation rate. Uh, now, the good news when it comes to the inflation rate is that the government recognized that, so they gave seniors a 5.9% increase 
in Social Security, one of the biggest Social Security increases going back to, to about the same period since the early 80s as well. So they've, you know, the government has, and taxpayers have tried to do what they can to help seniors by giving them a much-needed raise, but, you know, it's a 5.9% increase at a time when we're at a 7% inflation rate. So still kind of treading water hard, trying to keep everybody's heads above water when it comes to inflation and the impact it can have on seniors. So so what we're always trying to do as retirement geniuses is point to, to smart strategies and ways that people can stretch their dollars, navigate their retirement, whether they're planning for retirement or they're living in retirement, through through getting the most out of their money, the most out of their health, the most out of their lifestyle. And, and even in times like this, there's still opportunities that seniors need to take advantage of that can <clears throat> have a real impact for them in their finances and, and in their lifestyle. And we're going to talk about some of these money-saving uh, plans in a moment. Uh, I do want to ask you, does the current situation, now, you know, when the pandemic first hit, the market dropped dramatically in just a matter of a couple of days, but it amazingly recovered. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, th- this is, you know, for a long time there, it was looking like, well, this is like, oh, wait, all over again. You've got people who are near retirement who are going to lose a big chunk of their savings right as they prepare to retire. You know, th- who knows what could happen in the next year or two? Well, no, that's true. And, and, and you know, I remember 08 very well, as as most of us do. And, and the, the thing that happened for some seniors that, that didn't panic and dump out and run from the market was they benefited from a huge recovery. And I, I unfortunately you know, have encountered others that, that did dump out of the market and then missed the recovery and really put themselves in a bad position. So when, when you have money invested in your retirement, it's always smart to keep a portion of it in cash-type vehicles, uh, money market accounts, um, low-risk vehicles, a portion of what you have, but not everything. The problem with with the idea of you go into retirement and you move money uh, out of stocks and into to safe money market vehicles, CDs, is that you're getting really almost no return. Right now with low interest rates, the returns on those are almost nothing, I mean less than 1%. And if you're not keeping up with inflation with your money in terms of what it's doing with your investments, your savings, then you're losing money. So anybody who's watching the market now, if you didn't panic when COVID hit, when that drop happened, you did benefit from the market recovering and and, and continuing to recover very strongly. Uh, I would say you want to have some immediate needs covered in cash, but I'd, I'd stay in the market, keep an eye on it. Um, and and you should benefit from what the current market performance is, which somewhat is defying the impact of inflation. Talking with Chris Orestes, a senior care advocate, retirementgenius.com. So what are some of the things that seniors should be looking at to stretch their dollar farther when uh, inflation is so high? Well, you know, seniors be aware of and look for opportunities to access benefits, uh, discounts and benefits that are coming to them because they become seniors. Um, For example, you you get to to your 50s, you can join AARP. And I I highly recommend joining organizations like AARP or, or being a member of AAA. 
Those are very low-cost memberships that will get you a lot of benefits and a lot of discounts. And it's interesting because some seniors don't want to admit to themselves or, or others that they are a senior, and they'll avoid that. They won't join organizations like that. They won't look for or ask for senior discounts because in their mind they either don't believe they're a senior or they're embarrassed to use the word and say that they're a senior but but you're losing out on on money and and opportunities for all kinds of benefits and discounts when you do that so you you, you get into your 50s you get into your 60s look at things like arp AAA, restaurants hotels airlines grocery stores retailers they all offer different types of senior discounts, but the trick is you got to ask for them. They, they, they're not always going to just be offered to you, so you've got to be willing to ask for them. Here in Ohio, there's a, a program called the Golden Buckeye Card, and if you go to their website, there's just a... I mean, you get lost in the number of different businesses that offer discounts for that stuff. But even you can even go, I, I think, to your local uh, city trash collector. All that kind of stuff sometimes offer discounts to seniors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, another one of my favorite discounts that seniors should take advantage of is uh, you can buy a lifetime uh, pass to all the national and state parks in this country for $80. Hmm. $80 gets you a lifetime pass for for you and, 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 and a carload of people that are with you to uh, so many places that you can go and, and enjoy this country's beautiful scenery and, and fishing and camping and hiking and, and uh, you know, those kinds of discounts that are out there that people don't take advantage of, they're not aware of. And that's one of the things we do with Retirement Genius is we, we try and post and educate people about all these different discounts. But again, remember, you've got to reach out for them. They're not going to be sent to you. You've got to sign up for them. If you're going to go to a restaurant, don't be afraid to ask, is there a discount? I, you know, show them either because of your age or because you're a member of AAA or AARP that there's discounts you can access if you're asking for them. Uh, and always verify that the discounts are there, too. Don't go someplace assuming there's discounts because you may have seen something, read something, heard something, and then you spend your money expecting a discount that maybe it's not available Thursdays through through Sundays because they're busy on the weekend. That's really a midweek thing. You want to make sure you're asking for it and you're verifying that the discounts are available at the time you want to access whatever service or goods it is that, that you're that you're going to be buying. That's funny. I was I was going to ask you or, or talk about that too because I guess that, you know theoretically if you are retired not working at all you might have a little extra time to log this stuff because some chains will have one day a month or one day a week where seniors have special deals. That, that, that's right, and or or even you know for a lot of grocery stores they have certain senior only hours say like in the morning on Tuesday and Thursday to to give seniors a safer uh, environment to shop in discounts will be available certain specials will be available uh, so you want to look for that not only for the financial uh, well-being but also your health well-being if you can go someplace where there's less crowds uh, during this time of, of you know COVID that we're living in that also is a benefit 
Talking with Chris Arrestas, he is the retirement genius, retirementgenius.com. I wanted to ask you a little bit about health care. This, this is a, a particularly interesting period, it seems like, right now for folks who are maybe thinking about retiring but too young for Medicare. They're not 65 yet. They're, they're eligible for Social Security, but then they have to get health care on their own. And right, right now, the Affordable Care Act through the Biden administration is offering more government subsidies, but only through this year they're guaranteed. So it's kind of a difficult period to navigate, it seems like. Yeah, I, you know, I people that retire at 62 with the idea that they're going to go on to Social Security... Uh, a couple things to, to point out there. One, yes, you can qualify for Social Security at 62, but bear in mind that if you go on to Social Security at 62, you're going to be locking in the lowest rate uh, as a monthly p- payment for the rest of your life. The longer you wait to activate your Social Security benefit up to the age of 70, the more you'll get as a monthly payment. So, the, And the difference between taking Social Security at 62 and taking Social Security at age 70 is almost a two-thirds difference in the amount of money that you'd be able to, to access. So, so the longer somebody waits to, to retire and go on to Social Security, actually the better off they're going to be. But there is that donut hole between Medicare and Social Security. If you do retire in, in, at 62, you, you're not going to be on Medicare until 65. So there is the potential to get coverage through the Affordable Care Act, but there's also short-term health insurance plans that are out there, and some are designed specifically for seniors to get from 62 to 65 in Medicare eligibility. Another thing you might want to look at, if you retire at 62, but if you have a spouse who's still working and and you can be on their coverage, that's another thing you might want to consider is how long could you actually delay going on to Medicare, not just getting to 65, but does it make more sense to continue to be on a group coverage if you have access to it before you go on to Medicare? So a couple of ways to, to, to bridge that gap between 62 into 65 and Medicare eligibility. Let me uh, challenge you, though, a little bit on that point about delaying Social Security. You know, a lot of people who are of moderate income, if they delay their Social Security by another year, it means about a thousand bucks, twelve hundred bucks a year for life, more for the rest of their life. But what's really putting them at a better financial advantage is simply the fact that they worked another year. Maybe they made forty grand instead of fifteen on Social Security, and they're banking that money. And the whole point of retirement is, I don't want to work anymore. So <laughs> it seems like well, sort of like know, a catch twenty-two. I, and I 100% agree, the longer somebody can bring in income, the better. And I'll just say this about the point of retirement. The point of retirement used to be you, you get to, let's call it the age of 65, and you stop working. And then you're, you, you go to Florida or you know a sunny place during the winter, you play golf, and, and you, know, you go to the senior discount dinner at 4 o'clock. Uh, That, I think, is a very outdated notion of retirement today. To me, retirement isn't about stopping working. What it is is, for me, if you do retirement right, and that's what we really work on with Retirement Genius, is helping people realize a well-balanced retirement between their financial planning, their health and long-term care security, and their lifestyle. And what 
what I look at and preach that retirement is about is it's, it's about stop having to do what you have to do and shift into doing what you want to do. The longer you can continue to bring in some kind of an income as well into your past, your 60s, your 70s, uh, my father is 78 and still working full time and happy that he's doing it and says, I'll never stop working because it gives me purpose, it gives me energy, I'm up in the morning, I'm still making money, I'm independent, I can do what I want to do. And, and the more you can have that in your life, purpose, income, you feel like you're contributing to something, you're part of a team, you're part of, an, uh, of efforts that, that are meaningful, the happier your retirement's going to be, the more financially sound your retirement's going to be, and the healthier. It's going to be studies show the longer people stay active, engaged, and live with purpose, the healthier uh, and longer they will live. Talking with Chris Orestes, he's known as the retirement genius, retirementgenius.com. The pandemic, you know, obviously, I think it's uh, you know more than 70% of the people who've died of COVID have been over 65. Uh, it's really hit the older folks hard. And what is your, your take on how the senior population, that notwithstanding, how are they doing when it comes to retirement and the way they live their lives? Well, it certainly has created some interesting shifts in, in retirement patterns, family patterns. Seniors found themselves over the last two years living in much more isolation, uh, not as much contact with family, friends, social, going out, doing things. They really had to, to lock down because they were the most, they were and still are the most vulnerable. And I would say, you know, right out of the gate, we knew that you needed to wear a mask, you know, sanitize your hands. Um, If you go to the grocery store, if you go out, avoid doing things like touching your face until you've washed your hands. Those things still all apply. I, I would continue to follow those safe protocols. If you're out, wear a mask. you touched a little bit on it earlier about retirementgenius.com. What else can folks find there? What kind of information do you have? 
is we provide information and then help people access resources to do something with that information when it comes to financial planning, how, how they can access insurance, pro, you know, different types of insurance they may need, estate planning, uh, annuities, reverse mortgages, uh, on, the, on the health and long-term care side, information and things they need to know about Medicare, Medicaid, long-term care. Uh, all, all the different types of care and, and how to qualify and pay for it, and then things that people need to know to help improve and enhance their lifestyle, to bring all those things together to build that well-balanced retirement that everybody deserves. And let me ask you one more quick question. Folks uh, nearing retirement, if they have the means to pay their mortgage off, should they do it? Well, you know, there's a yes and a no to that. On the one hand, interest rates are so low. So if you had, let's say you had $100,000 left on your mortgage and you had $100,000 of cash and you've got a mortgage rate of 3%. Well, if you put that $100,000, put that $100,000 in the stock market and you're getting a return of 6 to 8%, that's you're, you're you're making more money than what you're saving by paying off the mortgage and and at the low interest rate. So it, it really, to me, it becomes a matter of what's the best use of that hundred thousand dollars. Should it pay off a debt that costs three percent, or should it go to work and be producing returns that could be six, eight, ten percent? I mean, the market last year, when the year finished in twenty twenty one. It performed at 27%. The market index performance was 27%. So somebody who had $100,000 in the market in 2021, uh, and all they did was was meet the index, they made $27,000. But on the other hand, of course, you're, if you pay the house off, you're guaranteed a 3 or 4% return on that money, whereas you could lose money in the stock market. Well, you, you never know what the stock market is. You never know what the stock market is. Mortgage doesn't mean you're making money. It just you are eliminating the three uh, to four percent interest that you're paying. Absolutely. So you've, you've saved yourself that, um, and your home is paid off. And there certainly are many people who look at that as part of the American dream, right? To have the mortgage burning clear and and free, uh, which then, quite frankly, is an asset that can be leveraged if you needed to do other things. Yeah, you could even argue that you're not even actually spending that money, you're simply transferring it to another investment that likely will continue to grow as well. It will. It will. You know, the, the housing market has been has been very hot. The stock market's been hot. The housing market's been hot. Interest rate, rates have been low. And it's interesting because we're in the middle of, you know, year three of a pandemic. We have inflation at 7%. So, it's a it's a interesting balancing act that's going on right now where it seems like the upside still is outperforming the downside but getting back to the beginning of our conversation seven percent inflation rate seniors who are living on fixed fixed uh, income fixed things like social security you know they need to be price sensitive they need to look for ways to stretch their dollars Senior discounts are a great way to do it. Smart money management is a great way to do it. Living on a on, on a budget, and sticking to a budget, is a great way to do it. You know, if you want to really know what you spend every month, just keep a log of all the coffees you buy and what you're spending at the grocery store and gas, and you'll be surprised. 
when you really look at it, how much is going out the door and where you could you could probably save some money in just a well-managed monthly budget as part of your uh, approach as well. Chris Arrestus, RetirementGenius.com. Anything else you'd like to add? No, no. I, you know, I just appreciate being able to talk to you and, and your folks. I hope they'll take advantage of some of this insight. And we, we invite you to always come to the website, RetirementGenius.com. You'll find more information and resources there. Uh, look for our podcast, Retirement Genius, the podcast. And, and uh, we look forward to hearing from folks and hope everybody stays safe as we start up with 2022. All right. Thanks so much for your time today. Sure appreciate it. Thank you. This has been Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. Heard each Sunday morning at 6 on WBNS AM, that's 1460 ESPN Columbus, and Sunday morning at 7 on WBNS FM. Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. Join us again next Sunday for Columbus Perspective.